Are you struggling to make your first 100K or next? Are you pretending you're successful, but barely getting by? Are you tired of comparing yourself to millionaires and billionaires who make it look so easy? Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like how to make your first $100,000, because I believe this is where 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck. And I tackle the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are successful entrepreneurs who share their mistakes, their number one fears, their daily habits, and their superpowers that push them over the 100K mark. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur and the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. This show was created for you the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Today, my future guest is Taylor Barnes. You may remember him from episode 292, Startup Nation. Uh, The title of that show is How to Get Rich Without Grinding Your Life Away. If you have not listened to that, go listen to that, would you? Because some of you are buying into all the hype out there that you need to hustle and grind at the cost of your family, your spouse, your kids, your your faith. And that's going to leave you rich, divorced, and miserable. You don't want to go down that path. I see it so many times. Okay, so go check out that episode. That's episode 292 with Taylor Barnes. So he's back on the show today and he's discussing uh, his sales machine. And this is a a new program that he's put out there uh, to the world. It's actually coming out um, very soon. Uh, So the show will uh, go live uh, as his product and program uh, goes live. Um, for that launch. So be very timely. So it's called the sales machine and nine simple steps for sales managers. Um, So if that applies to you, listen up to this show, because I'm just going to walk through his nine steps with you. And he's going to just break them down, unpack them for us, easy to understand. So grab your pen and paper, start taking some notes. And just a little background on Taylor, if you don't remember, he's the Z- the Senior Vice President of Global Business Solutions at Centrix IT and was in his early 20s when he formed the company with his partners. Now, Taylor has helped the organization become one of the fastest growing companies in Georgia, that's here in the USA, and one of the top IT solution providers in North America. He is known amongst the global IT community for his gregarious personality, which you'll hear today, and the indomitable nature of his positive attitude. You'll also see that today. He's an eternal student, and he commits himself deeply to personal development, as do I. He describes his personal mission as to use his knowledge and experience to help others realize their personal and professional potential. So if you're a sales manager, um, if you're a sales person, uh, listen up, take notes. He's going to break down his nine simple steps for, for you on how to, to sell, how to sell like a machine. All right. So Taylor Barnes, welcome to the show. You can find him at taylorbarnes.com. Taylor Barnes, welcome to your first 100K podcast. Again, hey, top buddy. 100 podcasts on iTunes for entrepreneurship. Go ahead and fill in some of the quick gaps in that intro, would you? Yeah, Joe, thanks for that. Great to be back. Um, and thank you for the great intro. When you hear words like gregarious and indomitable, uh, that might be the, uh, the, the the two buzzwords of the day for me. So, so yeah, you, you nailed it. Um, basically, uh, you know, throughout the last 15 years of us growing our business, um, you know, I've been heavily in charge of 
you know, leading leading the charge for business development relating to a lot of our services platforms. That, that that's given us the ability to create projects and programs and go to market strategies and you know work with the, the individual sales reps and the sales managers just to basically create a, a rock star sales team. And that and that's really what this nine step program is about. It's it's taken everything that I've learned over the fifteen years of being an entrepreneur and and uh, you know increasing the the sales you know four and five hundred percent over you know over the life of the of the organization. Um, you know, moving us into five countries all over the world. And, and, and I feel like I've learned a lot of things and I want to, I want to showcase a lot of these things. And, and I, and I, and I believe there's a real big need out there specifically for this. So, to, so really specifically the sales machine is directed at sales managers or sales leaders, right? And it's designed for organizations that want to increase their top line revenue uh, and decrease their employee turnover. In the sales game, for instance, there's, there's turnover every 13 to 15 months, according to some of the largest studies out there. Uh, that could be for a number of reasons, but for most of the part, it has to do with, you know, their, their, their happiness within the sales team and their ability to, to grow and learn and scale their, their work-life integration, et cetera. This really is the roadmap for sales managers that, that gets their team into a culture of continuous improvement while keeping a very close eye on their work-life integration. So you make sure that you get the best version of that individual every single day. So that, that's what the whole thing was born on. Got it. So Right here on your website, right? I'm at taylorbarnes.com, Startup Nation. Go check it out. Uh, I see it says just in big, bold headline, your sales organization is run by people, not software. That's right. Right? Now, software is good. Software helps automate our lives so that we can have that work-life mm -hmm. integration. So what do you mean by that specifically? Yeah, good question. So as it relates to sales, one of the biggest things that companies tend to invest in right off the bat is software. You know, different prospecting softwares, CRMs, anything that they can automate. And I agree with you 100%. There is extreme power in automation. So take, take, no, take no counter to that. There really is. But where, where it falls on its face a little bit is forgetting the fact that people manage the software that helps the organization run. And so when they turn all these investments into all these softwares and these tools and these technologies, that's great and everything, but they fail to have a similar investment within the people, within the group, within the, the culture, within the organization. And unfortunately, what that if they don't have that, then the systems and the technology, that doesn't matter because no one's entering in the data. No one's making sure the data is quality. No one's making sure that, you know, uh, inbound leads are coming in and, you know, no one's making sure that, that the deals are going through the right workflows and whatnot. So I think a lot of organizations take their eyes off the ball on the people aspect when they look at a lot of things like systems and technology and they try to they really try to automate. And if you're a sales organization, then you have people. If you're a marketing company, then maybe the entire thing is based on tools and technology. And that's, and that's fine. But if you're a sales organization and you have humans in your organization, that's really where you have to watch that a little bit. You know, you can't just automate and tech it to death. It's not going to work. I've seen it. And, uh, and honestly, I've seen, you know, I've worked with a lot of organizations that have done this and, and the results are consistent. It, it's, it's continuous employee turnover. It's them not seeing the big picture. It's them thinking they're being micromanaged, right? All those things and, and what people fail to recognize is that's so mentally debilitating at the rep level, at the account manager level, because they don't feel like a lot of their stuff that they're doing is contributing to the big picture because there's, there's, there's a gap that they really can't see. And that's yeah. what this is all about. That's a huge point you're making right there. And as you're saying it, it's reminding me, and I'm going to do a quick shout out for one of my coaching clients, okay. uh, Brian Dixon, who... Uh, just published an amazing book called Start With Your People. And that's exactly what it's all about, is really recognizing what your team needs in order to thrive. 
like individually, what do they need? And then when they come together collectively, mm -hmm. what makes them thrive? And it's exactly what you're talking about right now. Yep. And software cannot replace our people. So a little quick shout out, uh, go buy that book. It's a fantastic read. Start with your people by Brian Dixon. Um, so Taylor, I see you got clients like our mutual friend here, Hank McClarty. He's the mm -hmm. founder and CEO of Gratis Capital. He was on my show previously. I believe he's doing seven, eight, nine figures. I don't even know where he's at. He's just blowing it out of the water over there. Now he's one of your clients. What did you specifically help him do? How did your sales machine help his company? Uh, so just give us a quick before and after story and sure. then let's get right into your nine steps, okay? Yeah, methodology and roadmap. It, it all begins with obviously an assessment, You know where you're at today and where you wanna go. And so typically speaking, you'll walk into an organization and you'll figure out where the synergies are between the manager and the rep. You might look at the top line revenue. It's obviously the reason why organizations buy into this thing because they want their sales to go up naturally. Uh, now, that, that, but what's good about that is that's a complement of the things that we talk about today. Top line revenue increases because employees are happy and they're synergized and they're ready to come to work every day with their best possible selves, right? So what we did is we went in there and we learned about what works and what doesn't at the rep to manager level. Right. And once we had those things dialed in, we learned that there are some folks that are very happy and there are some folks that are kind of happy and some folks that, that aren't happy whatsoever. And some of those folks, you know, not, not necessarily in Hank's organization, but in many organizations, some of the better producers might be the ones that aren't very happy or very aligned. Uh, and that just might be a, a product of how good they are at their job or how good their relationships are. But they don't really dig the organization that they're working for or dig the manager that they're working for. Well, that's a horrible situation for the organization to be in because they're going to lose a top producer. It's only a matter of time. You know, they're going to go work for the competitor or whatever, or sit in the sidelines for two years and then go work for the competitor. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's where it all starts. And once we learned about that, we, we dialed into every single manager and we took them through these nine steps, which in the form of a workshop took a couple of days. This, this isn't something that is long and drawn out. It takes a few days of a very intense, good, hard focused work. Um, or, you know, folks, uh, you know, we got the digital curriculum coming out a little bit later, which was fast tracked due to things like COVID-19, as you can imagine. Uh, but that's what we did. And that's what we went through. And um, I'm not going to say as a result of this, this happened, but they have been kicking total butt in that in that industry. I mean, as you know, they they're experiencing 2x, 3x, 4x growth every single day. The organization is, is amongst Atlanta's top workplaces every single year. And that's voted on by the employees right? That's a tremendous KPI for an organization. If the employees vote you and you make it into the top 100, well, you've got some good things going with your folks. And that's what this is all about. So Startup Nation, I wanted to set the stage for you to really pay attention um, because like Taylor just shared, you know, there's Hank McClarty and his company is just, just 1Xing, 2Xing, 3Xing daily um, using this nine-step process. So it's a proven process. It works. Uh, it's come through trial and error uh, with Taylor and his team, with these real clients getting real results. If you want these kind of results in your sales organization, here we go. Step one uh, in the sales machine. Walk us through it, Taylor. What do you got? Sure thing. So problem discovery is step number one. And this really comes down to the individual manager understanding that he can't learn anything or she can't learn anything that they think they already know, right? So I walk into a lot of situations where the managers are like, nope, I got this. I've got my way. I understand my way. That's my way or the highway. I'm doing it this way. It's what we call the steamroller manager type, right? It doesn't matter really uh, all the, you know, the ins and outs of how the organization is, is run from a sales point of view. It's all about the top line revenue and whoever's standing in their way gets bulldozed, gets steamrolled on, right? So 
problem discovery, we typically try to lean in and say, are you ready for this? Are you ready to, to learn more? Do you, do you have enough humility? Are you able to check your ego? Um, do you, do you know, are, are you open to feedback? And we really have that kind of, you know, uh, microscopic view of the individuals. And then we kind of soften them up a little bit to make sure that they're ready to receive more information. And then once that's done, um, you know, we typically move on to, to step two, step two. Before you go a, there. Yeah, please. Before yeah. you go there. Yeah. What if, right? And this is an obvious question, but what if that manager is not willing to get humble? Um, what's the immediate action? What's the, yeah. like, what's that next step as when you run into that roadblock? Like, Hey, I got an ego that's leading my team. Yep. It's their way or the highway. What do you do as a manager? Well, depending on how the organization is structured, the people that hire me, uh, they want feedback. Right. And, um, and these are the types of feedback that may or may not be, uh, you know, understood ahead of time. So if we got to give that feedback to somebody that that's one aspect that that's never a fun conversation. And number two, we typically, uh, you know, we typically grind on it pretty hard, Joe, to be honest with you. And, and we bring a lot of things like, I mean, everything from stoic philosophy to, to, to really, you know, Enneagram based, you know, how people think and feel and react. And, and we bring empathy into it. And we bring a lot of different metrics into it to, to really get them to understand that things are always a little bit different than, than we think in our minds, right? So yeah. if we think we've got this totally figured out, you know, the chances are that we might be doing a pretty good job, um, but there are always some things that we don't know. And, and that's, so, so for those reasons to kind of summarize, I very rarely have seen that. Um, I usually get the ones that are all in or the ones that are just kind of going through the motions. You know what I mean? Yeah, got it. So it sounds yeah. like you actually have the opportunity to persuade them, that oh, yeah. sales manager in in that that meeting or a series of meetings Absolutely. before you send that feedback to their employer. So, yep. all right, number two, step two, what, what do you got? Yeah, so meeting of the minds is basically the, the sales manager's um, chance to lay it out there on the line. We call it the IPA, the initial public admission, right? And, uh, and obviously, you know, we always make jokes about, you know, having an IPA with your team is always a good thing. <laughs> but in this case, it is an initial public admission. And it basically gives the sales manager the ability to say, guys and girls, here I am. I'm laying it all out there for you. I am committing to you that my authority over you as a manager is not as important to my responsibility to you as a leader. And once you really make sure that they see that and feel that and hear that you are acting and you are, and you are laying it all out there to say, I'm ready, I'm here for you, it's time to go. And that might seem like a pretty like, oh, okay, step, but I will tell you, the reps are not expecting that. They never expect that. When that happens, they go, wow, okay, this guy or girl means business. They're really, if they're going to say it to me and drop their ego and lower their, and, and, and gain some humility and, and let me just, they, they really feel that, that teamwork. The, the mm. synergy starts building up and that's really great. So that, that, that's for the most part is the meeting of the minds, how to communicate it, what to say, what to let them know is coming in this regard, um, giving yourself the chance to be vulnerable and open up to your team for things like feedback immediately right out of the gates, things that they like and don't like. That's really what the meeting of the minds about is to get the team ready for a change that starts at the top. Got it. All right. Take us through step three, immediate impact plan. Yep. And I know it's going to blow your mind, but it's a plan that has an immediate impact. <laughs> Just kidding. But that is what it is, right? So really what you do in that regard is you start leaning into them at the personal level. So let me give you an example. Um, at our organization, uh, we have um, we, we send loads and loads of field technicians out there all over the world to do things like maintenance, break, fix activities, projects for IT-related stuff, right? Now, at our organization, we employ loads and loads of, um, of former military vets, right? And if you know anything about the current Smart. state of veteran affairs, yeah, they 
aren't really treated very well. Unfortunately, uh, there, there isn't, there, there's a lot of bad numbers out there. Daily suicide rates are very high. Um, because they can't acclimate back to work and and whatever it is. And so you can imagine that that these that these, you know, these group of former militaries, they would do anything for their brothers and sisters in arms to to to, to help. It is basically the way that I can say it. So we created a campaign, a plan, an impact plan that said, let's go find hundreds of technicians out there all over the world. Let, let, let's throw the net out there. Let's cast the net. Let's catch them. And then let's bring them in. We'll vet them specifically for their skill set, their professionalism, their technology abilities, their language, all the things that go into making a project go really well. And then we'll campaign specifically for those individuals, getting them back to work. Now, what's great about that impact plan is now that the sales team knows when they sell, they are getting our military heroes back to work. So mm. that kind of personal professional plan that comes together that has a really, really big immediate impact uh, for, our, for our organization, for instance, we saw a spike when that happened in revenue. And we're talking, you know, tens of millions of dollars a month. A spike is a big number. But if you start leaning into that kind of an immediate impact, you're going to see tremendous results at the sales level, at the organizational level. People really do rally behind the right kind of impact plan. And that's a really good starting point and launching point for these sales managers to reach out, understand what's important to their people, understand at a personal level what motivates them and whatnot, and then create an, an impact plan around that. Makes it fun, energizing, and it really gets everybody rallying on it together. And that's what makes that impact. I really like that a lot because it sounds like you're you're building almost a subvision uh, or or higher purpose into that immediate 100%. plan right there that really moves people's hearts and moves them into action, yep. which leads us to step four, which is the breakthrough. Yep. Tell us about that. Yeah, the breakthrough is uh, it's a pretty fun step at, at, at the individual level. So this is really where we get to focus on ourselves as sales managers and sales leaders. We're getting into what we call the diligence section now. So the first three steps were part of the discovery section where you're learning, you're gaining information, you're gathering information, you're figuring out what's important to the individuals, what's important to you, you're getting vulnerable, you figure figuring out where you are and where you want to be. As we move into the diligence section, this is where it gets really fun. So we really focus on self-awareness here at a manager level. So really what this step is all about is understanding how we as sales leaders think, feel, and react. Because as you can imagine, when an individual, a rep comes to us with an idea, with a plan, with an opportunity, with anything, the way that we react to that individual is going to determine how they feel about us. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's it. You know what I mean? They, they might feel appreciated. They might feel completely unappreciated. They might feel that you have their back. They might feel that you're just kind of checking the box, whatever that is. And so without knowing really how you're wired as an individual, you stand the chance to send off the wrong message. And that's why we put them through the Enneagram assessment in step four. That is, in my opinion, at a professional and personal level, the best self-awareness tool that I've ever seen in my life. And, um, and we do that. And if you know anything about it, it's a ancient, you know, Chinese personality assessment test that gives you a number. And once you have your number, you can learn how you feel, think and react. And there's a lot of different material out there that we give to everybody to show them how they would react under stress, how they would react under happiness or joy or anger. Right. And once you have that, Joe, the best part about that, I mean, everybody's done a personality assessment. So that's one thing, but people typically do it for them. Right. This is really the ability to do it for your team. And now you've got your self-awareness and your radar up. So every time that some bad information comes at you, before you react, you're going to know. You're going to know how to react so that you can auto-correct, self-regulate in real time. And maybe mm -hmm. then at that, at that point, the information becomes less bad, less good, and it just becomes information. 
that you can, meant with mental toughness, make a decision off of. Because if we're making our choices, if we're making our decisions based on the, the hyperbole of high lows, then you're really, you're going to, you're really going to stand the, uh, you're really going to have that moment where something could be really, really great. And so you think you're, you're going to over-celebrate or something could be really, really bad. And you just, you know, go into to a depression that is so unhealthy at the leadership mm. level. You have to maintain some sort of level and steady approach to when information comes in. And until you know you, how you're going to react at an individual level, that's very challenging. I think the way you presented that is vital. Uh, I, th I think of my own life, you know, just how I show up in business, um, not just with my team, but how I show up with my clients, with vendors, yeah. et cetera, uh, how I show up in my marriage, how I show up exactly. in my parenting. Yes. Um, the impact, the ripple effect is ginormous. Yes. Um, and I can really see that ability to have that breakthrough because I think most of the problems uh, in our lives come through us giving meaning to meaningless events, right. things just happen yeah. and we give this big meaning to it, negative yeah. or positive. What if we could just look at it as a meaningless event, pause, assess, and then choose. Exactly. That changes everything. So I, I definitely get number, step four, which is the breakthrough that leads us to step five, laser focus. Tell us yeah. more about that. Yeah. So let me tell you about a, a vendor, um, a, a story of the vendor in India that sold the world's best apples. Okay. So he sold the world's best apples. People would come from all over the place to get his apples because they were the absolute best. Right. And one of his highest paying customers that used to buy all the apples said to him one day, you know what, if you would sell oranges, I bet you would have the same amount of business. You could double your business. And he's like, well, I don't know anything about oranges. I don't know where to get them. And he's like, you know what? I bet you could figure it out. You've got a great reputation. And he talked him in to go on to sell oranges. And then he sold some oranges. And then the next week comes, you know what? I bet you could sell some pineapples. And then he got into pineapples. And all of a sudden, everything started to mush together. Supply got messed up. Uh, you know, uh, the customer stopped coming a little bit because it wasn't specialized anymore. And he went from the world's best apple stand into a regular fruit stand. And that's what this step is about. There's so many organizations out there that let the tail wag the dog, that let the customers dictate what they're going to go to market with, right? Instead of looking at your strengths, your opportunities, and what you should possibly niche down on, not up, niche down on to serve the minimal viable audience. And that's, a, I'm stealing that from Seth Godin. If anybody out there has ever heard of Seth Godin, he talks about the concept of the minimal viable audience. It's the smaller amount of products and services that you can sell to a smaller group of people that have a lot to gain from what you provide. And that Joe is the key. The customers have a lot to gain from what you provide, creating the inevitable win-win. That's what this is about. So many organizations take on so much they do so much to try to serve so many people in so many verticals and so many industries. And what they don't realize is that they have the ability to niche down and laser focus into a subset of those things that's going to give them the ability to deliver exceptionally with their eyes closed, right? And that's mm. the kind of delivery that takes no effort because you're so damn good at it. You know what I mean? Mm. No effort. I, I, I air quote that, but you're so good at it that it becomes that consistent, well-oiled machine. And then you really are, you're into that machine mode, right? Where you're not recreating and every single time that a deal comes in, that's what we talk about with laser focus. That really makes sense. Immediately, I think of companies like Zoom, uh, the platform that we're on right now. I've been using Zoom for the past three years for both my top 100 podcasts. And in the beginning, I was like, wow, here's a product that just, they do one thing and they do it well. They yeah. do it with excellence. It just works. It, I don't need all the robust everything. Yeah. I just needed to do this one thing. And now look at this. They stuck to, stuck to the one thing. Pandemic happens and they are the go-to choice. 
yep. for everyone. And they just blew up, right? Just yeah. make, talk about spikes in, in revenue there. All yeah, right, let's to your point, Joe, it's so tough to say no sometimes, but you have got to have the discipline in order to say no, to focus in on what you're good at. And that stuff that we talk about, discipline is a big part of step five. That's really what we install into that sales leadership team. Because how many times you heard a sales guy say no? Not very often, right? They want to say yes, I get it. They want to. But this is about creating the discipline to laser focus down into that smaller subset that we talk about. And Startup Nation, I just want to tie this into your personal life, your home life, not just work. Like learning to say no to the things that Mm. are going to take away from the people that matter to you in your life. As a parent, you want to say no to certain things yep. that are going to take you away from that time with your children. You only get so much, then they're grown and they're gone. Yeah. So like the same thing with your spouse. I just want to say that laser focus, uh, what do you stand for? What do you, will you not stand for? Where are you going to spend your time? Where are you not going Love to it. spend your time? Absolutely. Uh, take us to step six, teamwork redefined. Yeah, teamwork redefined. So now that you've got, you know, a lot going on, you've, you've seen a lot of movements and now you're, you're getting in, you know, some really good in-depth conversations with your sales team, your design team, you're lasering down, you're, you know a lot about yourself. Well, now that you've got all these things moving, teamwork redefined really comes down to it's you're, you're either on the boat or you're off the boat. And that's really what this step is about. There's a lot of organizations out there that unfortunately um, really don't lean into if they've got the best possible team at the best possible time, right? So look, this is where you have the the ability to to have that one-on-one, that very, very specific one-on-one with every single member of your sales team. And this is where you find out what they love about their job, what they hate about their job. And you as a sales manager, this is your moment to be wide open. Remember at this point, we've dropped our ego. We are humble. We are open to community to, to any sort of feedback. We're not firing off on, on reactions. We're having that, you know, like you said, we don't give meaning to meaningless things, right? We, we are, we are mature enough to hear it. So I, I always remind people on that one, because when people hear, I don't like this about my job, their first reaction as a sales manager is get over it. You're in sales. When I was your age, I did this and that that's going to ruin it. Don't do that. That's my, that's my, my little disclaimer for you folks. So at the team say that that's where you say, Okay, now it's my turn. This is what I think you could do better. This is what I think I could do better. And you leave there on the same page or not. And that's the big thing is the or not. This is your moment to have that uncomfortable conversation if you have to. And if you decide that it's best to part ways, trust me on this one. It's for the best interest of both of you. That's it. Again, there's no emotion in this. It's not an easy conversation to have, but we are here in the best interest of the people of the brand. And everybody can deliver this information with love in their hearts. We're not saying to turn around and be a jerk about it. It's nothing like that at all. But you do have to be able to have those uncomfortable conversations and those really intimate one-on-one moments to figure out if you've got the right team that's rowing the same boat to the same direction, no matter what. Because if there's one weak link in that team that has the ability to really pull things down, the gossiper, the, 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 the energy vampire, the one that thinks that we shouldn't be doing this direction, we should be doing that direction, those are the ones that end up having a really big problem in the clubhouse. You know what I mean? And that's what this step is all about. So this step, step six, the way I'm hearing it is really choosing, deciding. Uh, this is the moment of truth to build your championship team. And anyone who doesn't want to be a champion, well, they're voting themselves off the team. That's right. You're not actually firing them. You're saying, here's where we're going. Are you on board? Yes or no. Yeah. If you're not, hey, you just fired yourself. That's you're free to leave. So I really love that because that's what it takes to build a championship it team is. It's necessary. in sports in business in life. Absolutely. All right. Take us to step seven, 
the sales machine. That's right. Well, K- KPI mastery, step seven. And then this is where we begin delivery. I can see where you, you thought oh, I did it, it the I, other way. Yeah. Yes. You know what? That's really good feedback because perhaps the design might be a little bit off. So anyway, uh, KPI mastery, right? Step seven. First off, let me start by saying KPIs tend to get a bad rap, right? Because every time that a sales manager says we need to work on KPIs, what typically happens if you come up with a couple of really vague, you know, overwhelming goals and achievements, and then the next week they change, and the next week they change, and the next week they change. So you'd have no consistency. So when I talk about KPI mastery, I want everybody to dial into this because this is massively important. At this point, you are getting into how you're going to market together. You've established that rock star sales team. You've niched down. You're eliminating the noise. You understand yourself. You understand what you used to be and what you want to be. Now you're getting into the actual delivery part of this. So the KPI mastery is a required either week or biweekly, whatever it is for you, on the small list of accomplishables, deliverables, plans, tasks, whatever you want to call them, that you're going to consistently measure week after week. If you, and I'm just going to use a very general example here. If you are a rookie salesperson and you are an outbound lead generator, this is where you would talk about the amount of calls, emails, LinkedIn messages, whatever it is. If you are an account manager, maybe this is more meetings. Maybe this is more um, you know, uh, events, uh, whatever it is. And if you're in the sales leader, maybe this is more conferences, more chance to speak, more chance to get out there and really you know, uh, uh, evangelize your organization. Whatever the plan is, people have got to come up with a small list of them, measure them weekly measure them bi-weekly because if you're not doing that it's like peter drucker says right you can't you, you can't improve what you can't measure you know what i mean and i'm and i'm and i'm butchering that that quote but it's uh you can't manage what you can't measure that's what he said so if you can't manage what you can't measure and and if you're not measuring week over week performance month over month performance if you, you if you don't have the data to do that week over then then what are you doing what, what you're, just, you're just you're creating a a a life business then you're not creating a career you're creating a a daily something to do that that trades time for money right this is how you scale this is how you're going to figure out what works in your business and what does not but without having that consistent approach to looking at the same what people call boring agenda every other week well th- th- this is where kobe was so incredible right and guys like um uh, LeBron are so incredible. They, they go in and they take a hundred. One, two, three, and they just keep going. That's what this is about. And, and, and when they bring it into game time, what happens, right? They've, they've got it because they've measured it week after week after week. They know what they need to work on. They know what works and what doesn't work. And they bring it into game time and it's awesome. Again, it doesn't have the sexiest appeal on paper, but it is massively important to your consistency, to your scale, to learn what works and what doesn't. And that's what you have to establish in step seven, KPI mastery. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. So uh, the recording got uh, cut there just for a second. So uh, Taylor was talking about uh, these top superstar uh, basketball players. They show up every day, day after day, and they take the shot over and over again. Hundreds and hundreds of shots. That's what makes them champions. That's their KPI. What are your KPIs that you need to master Mm -hmm. day in, day out? All right, take us to step eight. We're almost there, Startup Nation. Step eight, what do you got? Yeah, routine maintenance. So step eight's really important because of the old burnout, right? And it talks about, you know, Stephen Covey talks about this as, as the guy that walks up into the, to the, to the uh, man in the woods that's sitting there and he's just, he's just hacking away at the tree, right? Over and over again, just hacking away. And the man walks up and says, hey, hey, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm cutting down this tree. Can't you see? And he's like, yeah, I can see. It looks like you've been doing this for, you look exhausted. How long you been at it? And he's like, Five or six hours. I'm yeah, I am exhausted. And he goes, well, I'll tell you, if you just took a minute and went and sharpened the ax, I bet you that would go a lot quicker. And the guy says, I don't have time to sharpen the ax. I'm too busy cutting down this tree. 
right? And that's what happens. How many times have you been in the middle of this, Joe, where you're working so hard and so feverishly on a project, and then you look back a couple of weeks on your progress and you've made none or very little, right? Because so many times what happens in sales is you feel like you're working so hard, it must be the right thing that you're working on. I must be spending the right time with the customer. I'm, I'm sorry, the right time with the wrong customer. You're spending loads and loads of effort on a project that's got no chance of closing. You know, you're doing all these things that feel good, that feel like they're making an impact, but they're not, right? So, this, so to me, this sounds like really um, separating or distinguishing between busy work and pro productive work, like uh, what actually turns into revenue work. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. It, it, it's the difference. It's, it's really where you put it on a pedestal, working hard versus working smart. Right. And look, I mean, there, there's a lot of that that has to go into it. And also a lot of times where you could be working hard and just simply burning out, working smart and simply burning out. So what can you do in this model? You know, do you need to do you need to niche down, for instance? Well, take a break, get some routine maintenance, go back to step five and, and dive in. Do you need some routine maintenance because you're you're starting to fly off at the handle mentally? You're 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 reacting a little bit poorly, whatever it is. Well, go back to step four and remind yourself how you're wired. Right. That's the beauty of this step is you can you can go back and you can pick and choose from things that you've learned throughout this journey that have helped you in this regard, right? That's what I and all that is encompassing in working smart. It it, it takes a leader to look at an individual's work and say to him or her, this is not working smart. This is just you hacking away at that tree with a dull ax over and over again. It's going to take you days and days to chop it down and it's not going to be worth it at the end of the day. Because at a sales rep level, as you know, as, a, as I'm sure you've seen, we will make a million phone calls to the same individual. We will spend, you know, a thousand pricing exercises on the same company. We will quote and quote and quote and do whatever. And the whole time, they're just leveraging our pricing to get a better deal. You know, whatever it is, it takes a leader to realize that and routine and, and help them with their routine maintenance, get them, you know, on the right path of working smart again. So step eight, I really hear is stepping back and assessing what's working, what's not working, and then diving into the what's not working, right? And taking action on taking action. what needs to happen. Exactly right. Got it. Awesome. All right. And we're at step nine, the sales machine. And here we are. And this was the ultimate deliverable in the sales machine. Now, a lot of people think, okay, well, you know, I'm ready to go. Uh, I've got everything that I need. And, and you know, at this point, quite frankly, I, I think you might. Now, one thing to consider here is that this step is really all about the culture of continuous improvement. It is, it is truly about the mindset that there is no finish line, right? I, I, I like to say that the only, high, the only finish line that high performers cross in their lives is at the pearly gates, right? So this goes into the entire mentality of the sales machine that says, what can I do better? What can I always look to improve on? How can I serve more? How can I give more? How can I love more? How can I make my organization, you know, the best possible in the world? Not just showing up every single day, letting your email dictate your day, letting, you know, the reactions. This is where you could start coming up. You know, we brought it up last time, the EMRP. This is where I would in install the EMRP for some sales managers, having them exercise, meditate, read, pray every morning in a routine so they can show up to work, ready to work, right? This is the work-life integration step. This is where we remind folks and we give them drills that nothing can be great. I'm sorry, nothing can be bad at home if you expect it to be great at work and vice versa. You can't do one without the other. The idea of balance is a myth. 
It is no, an integration. I agree with you. And I, I think this is a, I'm going to do a self plug here just for a second, because you know what I do. I help yeah. high achiever, high performers blow up rocks in their life, especially at home that are impacting them at work. Exactly right. what you said. And I'm wondering, maybe in the future, you should refer some of your clients to me to go blow up the rocks at home so that they can perform even better at work and hit, hit all these revenue targets. Yeah, man. Just makes sense. So yeah. All right. How do we wrap this up in a bow? We got our nine steps. There you have it, Startup Nation, the sales machine, nine simple steps for sales managers and sales leaders just like you. What have we not said, Taylor, uh, in these nine steps that you really want to land uh, and convey to our audience today? Yeah, really, it's just about getting started. Get off zero. Get off zero. If you are not getting any sort of external, whether you want to call this coaching or road mapping or consulting or, or whatever you want to call it, get off zero because it is massively important for you to have an external point of view on what we're, you know, and, and for the record, this doesn't come from Centrix. This comes from loads and loads of research, loads of other organizational feedback at the leadership level. This has been bulletproof tested lots of times. This has changed. This has evolved. These, these nine steps didn't look like this a couple of years ago, right? And I didn't want to release it because I didn't think it was ready, right? And now that I've seen the results of these specific nine steps and what it does to the top line revenue and what it does to their employee retention and what it does to the sales person and sales leaders happiness on a day-to-day -day basis, it's great. Uh, in my opinion, I guess I'm a little bit biased, huh? but it, I think it's pretty great. So I would say regardless if it's this or anything else, guys and girls, I would get off zero, go get some outside guidance on what it looks like for you to get into that culture of continuous improvement. And I think if you just get off zero get a launching pad. That would be my advice overall, Joe. Huge advice. Huge advice. All right, Startup Nation, go check uh, out uh, Taylor's program. Um, he's about to tell you where you can go find it. But listen, he just gave you his nine bulletproof uh, steps to really become a sales master in your organization. Right? And, and then that's a term I like, a sales master. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a leader or a manager, you need to become the sales master. And then by example, teach your team uh, how to do that as well, right? And then for them to teach others how to do it so that you're constantly duplicating yourself. That's how you scale an organization. So Taylor, where does, uh, where does Startup Nation go? Where does anyone listening to this, this recording, where did they go and get your nine steps? Yeah, you thank you. Um, so first off, it's www.taylorbarnes.com. If you go there, you can uh, scroll down and you can get all the resources that you'd like. There's plenty of free stuff on there. There's a resource tab in the top. Uh, that'll get you your free EMRP worksheet. And uh, what I would really recommend doing for everybody here, go take the free manager assessment. That'll tell you a thing or two about yourself. It gives you a list of five or six questions on what you would do in a sales situation like this. And once you do that, it lets you know what kind of a manager you are. And it gives you some kind of really immediate action items that you can go and run with and you can do by yourself without me. But for any of those that really want to get into the real work of this, uh, it's a few days. Think of it like that kind of investment. We're not talking weeks and weeks and weeks. I don't believe in a lot of that. We all got to get back to work. This is an injection shot. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're providing an injection shot to your organization. So taylorbarnes.com, book a workshop in person. Uh, we will launch the digital curriculum in a, in a, in a month or so. Um, so be in the tune for that. By the time that this is airing, Joe, to your point, I imagine it will be available. And uh, that will be under the resource tab right there on the main page. Thank you very much for asking, Joe. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Now, which is better? How does a, you know, someone who goes to your page, how do they know which is better? Do they get the curriculum or do they book the workshop with you? Yeah, how do they question. know which? 
Great question. I mean, there is nothing more powerful than doing this in person. We've seen it both ways. Um, but, you know, granted, we don't want to uh, hinder the folks that have got, you know, an entirely remote workforce these days. Right. So in that regard, um, that's why we uh, we escalated the time frame for the digital curriculum is due to things like the pandemic and whatnot. Um, so I would say that even if you do it remotely uh, via the digital workshop, please do this in groups. Please do this in groups. It is so important to hear your feedback and then hear your peers' feedback and their peers' feedback to understand what you would do in these situations. Because at the end of this, it's not, it's not just a workshop and go. You've got real action items. You've, you've got worksheets. You've got discussion points. You've got real examples. You've got applications. So all these things that you can do together really open your eyes and you think, oh man, I never thought about how that person handles this situation. I never thought, and you end up learning a ton from each other because things like the sales machine unlock those ideas that ultimately get put into words. And then all of a sudden your peer to peers are really getting, you know, some, some pretty good, robust application. So that's what I'd recommend in person's obviously best in my opinion. Um, and most people's opinion due to the feedback, um, obviously check the references online. I, I think those would speak for itself, hopefully. <laughs> and then um, again, if you do the digital curriculum, Joe, I would say to, to everybody in startup nation, uh, I think it's well worth it. You're going to get a similar amount of content. I would just do it in groups, team, zoom, whatever you have, uh, and make sure you do that in groups uh, to make the most of it. Dale Barnes, thank you for spending time with us. Uh, Startup Nation, I hope you're as inspired as I am just through going through these nine simple steps for sales managers. Uh, I know my next action right now offline is actually going to refer one of my clients to Taylor, uh, who has a, a very large organization and is running into these exact issues at work to the point where he dreads going into work every day mm. to his own business. Happens for this exact reason. You. And his sales manager at the top is a problematic uh, personality, right? So I could see him hiring you, Taylor, uh, for a workshop. And I'm actually going to be a, a persuasive voice in that with my own client because I want to see him win big. Well, and I believe you you're the much, guy that can help him do that. that. So thank you for being on your first 100K. I wish you God's love, peace and joy in your life, sir. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. 
Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.